0: Listener
1: Production. You are listening to episode 168 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring running machine Peter Bowl. Mighty Marks, get set, go. Let's now talk about the physical component, which really interests me. Um, so, when you're in hard training, out of competition, in hard training, What's a typical week? What are the Ks? What are the reps? What are you doing with those little skinny legs of yours that get you <laughs> around the track like that, mate? <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with tremendous respect.
2: <laughs> um, so uh, our week's credit to Justin. He's got a really good structure where our week stay the same. Uh, Monday's a speed session. Tuesday. Okay, so what's a speed session? So a speed session, we wouldn't do anything longer than 200 metres. So it would be usually... And, you know, if Add you. At top speed? Yeah, I'd like top speed. So if, if you have Instagram or Twitter, Justin literally posts this every session we have. Like he believes that we're not we so we, hiding we, anything. So, how, how do we follow him? He's, he's got an account called Fast Eight Truck Club. Fast? So eight. Track club, track club. Right. So there's, I don't think there's a single session that I haven't that I've done that Justin hasn't posted. Wow. And with the times, so like if you wanted to know what I do as an athlete, like you could literally find all of that. Very cool. It's which is pretty cool. Like um, Justin just believes in like spreading know, the word, spreading it. So, so a, a, a
1: fast session. What are you saying? You're not
2: doing more than two hundred meters. Like wow. a typical session would be um, so warm up, warm up and stuff is stays normal. So like ten minute jog, easy jog, which is about two k we we'll do a lot of drills because speed is about doing a lot of drills, activations, uh, some plyos and then we'll do like three by 30 meters. So we'll start slow and build up into it and then we'll do maybe um, one by 70 meter or something. You no, know, we don't go that. we don't go further than 100 meters really. Sometimes. As som- good as a sprint, as like, as fast as you can go, is this what we're trying to do here? Try, try, try to push it, yeah, try okay. to push it as much as you can. Uh, but you don't want to injure yourself. I think, a good way to do it is always be around like 95, okay. 90, 95%. You don't want to go 100%. You really, you don't want to put your body to that extreme. So, so
1: if that's a speed session, then obviously what you do is so much about endurance. How do you build an endurance base during training? Like what what are you doing? What's the hard stuff? We're like, oh, no. no. Uh, I can just see there you've just gone, oh. <laughs> so what's what what's the, mm. oh?
2: Um, I think some of the hard sessions we do is like six by a K, with ninety seconds rest.
1: Okay. Now this, this is the stuff I love. So <laughs> six by a K. So you run a K. You have ninety seconds. You run another K. You do that six times. What what you what what speed are you doing your K at? Um, about three minutes
2: two fifties. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> two fifty Ks. Um, okay. Three minutes. Yeah. That's...
1: And and at what point through the, that that six K is the lactic? Really hitting you, and and how are you feeling at exhaustion point?
2: Now, so funny enough, those sessions, endurance sessions, you recover pretty well. Okay. It's the lactic lactic session. So, like six by K is nothing compared to, um, three by three hundreds, three by three hundred, and you, we get like eight minute recovery. But you're running those three hundreds of like thirty five seconds, <sighs> like so. You're building lactic acid. So that's that's the stuff that but you got to do all the endurance stuff to build it up yep. and get ready for that stuff. Uh, but 6 by K is like, because really you're just trying to do, um, and the way Justin explains it is you're not trying, don't even push too hard. Like just try to keep it at three minutes, whatever, because you're just trying to build up the Ks. You're not trying to like move so, super fast. It's like there's specific work that you need to do, like the lactic work, the track, because the 800 is like basically two 400s now. It's a sprint. Um, Like the 6x1K and all that stuff suits more, I think. Um. 1500 and more runners. Okay.
1: And, and, and when it's, I'll ask you about a race, but when you're at training and you're saying to your man, Justin, I got no more to give. And he's saying, Pete, you got to give more. Where do you take yourself mentally to get, to squeeze the extra bit of performance
2: out? Um, like what motivates you when it's real hard? One is just having Justin there. Like, cause I do a lot of training in Perth and to be honest. I don't know if he's listening, but to be honest, sometimes like your a session gets tough and you're just like, maybe you have a little bit extra recovery than it's supposed to, which changes the whole session if you if you increase the recovery. The times are mad anymore because the session's supposed to be set on the recovery. So I try not to do that. Or but when he's there, he's like, okay, you you feel like he's there on the track with you. Or when he gets on the bike, sometimes and you're chasing the bike and stuff like that. Um, but also Justin's Justin's clever. Um, like I think we did a session. Before I think before COVID and the Olympics got postponed, and Joseph and I were just in in super shape, and I think it was supposed to be two two times two hundreds, or four hundred, and then two times two hundreds, and I think the two hundred is supposed to be like twenty three, (sighs) twenty four, um seconds, and you know Joe runs the first one. Joe's speedy goes twenty two seconds. It's like shit, like we're <laughs> well, we're on we here. Just, it's gonna be lactic. We are on. So I ran the second one, it's like 22 point something. It was like, damn, like we're distance runs. so we're hitting 22 seconds. And then I take the 400, I think, and we got 47.0, which is which is moving. <sighs> this is all in a session. And then Justin looks at it and he said, That's it. No, no need to do the other two hundreds. Let's not it. let's not get greedy. Okay. Like you're in super shape those next two hundreds are not gonna make any difference. And it takes a clever man to do that. Yeah. Cause, you know, someone else would be like, now nah, let's get the session done. You know, for him it was like, that's enough. We've done what we had to do that day.
1: Diet, are you mega strict, okay strict, you can eat no. what you want because you're <laughs> expelling so many calories? Um Where do you
2: fit in that scale? I don't I'm not strict, but again I grew up uh, in a culture where we always ate at home and my mom always cooked. So I think naturally our diet's pretty good, but we just never really paid attention to it. So, like what my mom would cook at home and stuff like that, heaps of, heaps of like, I guess f- veggies and all goodies, African dishes that I wouldn't even be able to name or know. They're always good for us and we just ate them and we believed they were okay. Uh, it was when I moved to Melbourne that I had to kind of pay a little bit more attention and realize how expensive food is outside Mm. of home Mm. and like when you're more I guess in control of what you eat and stuff like that but at home I kind of ate whatever my mum cooked and then now you know I think it's important because as an athlete or as anyone your body and your mind is an asset so you gotta you gotta take care of that Um, and if you don't take care of that properly you can't come back the next day and train and you know, the purpose of training and like high performance is it's not how hard you train every single day. It's how consistent you can be over a long period of time. Because if you're trying at 100% today and tomorrow, but next day, you probably get an injury. It's like, okay, train at 80%, train at that. Mm. But how do you get yourself back there? It's like, you realize like after a session, after a gym session, for example, you need to get some protein, repair those muscles as fast as possible. You need to get sleep, you need to get rest. Um, in Perth, Um, what I really pay attention to the most is probably hydration because sometimes I'm doing sessions and it's like 35 to 40 degrees and, and you gotta be smart. Sometimes a session like six by K, um, at 90 seconds, I'd be doing five instead of six and I'd be doing it more than 90 seconds. I'd be doing extra recovery. It's not what's on paper that you have to do. You have to pay attention, be aware of the environment and, and your body and you have to adjust accordingly.
1: Let's go to the Olympics. Um. I want you to take me through metre by metre what's involved in a uh, 800 metre. We might use the Olympic final as an example, but the Olympic semi-final, um, I'm sure you've gone back and watched it.
2: Yeah. Coming at him,
3: Peter Boll, 1968, the last time we've had a finalist at the 800... in 144.11. He did everything right and takes the record again. He takes the Oceania record and runs his way into the final
1: of the 800- 800... Like, the voice of Bruce McEvaney is is athletic. Um, like he is unreal, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like he's been on this show. He he, he is unreal. Um, uh,
2: you, know, you know, I was watching... Because when you're in the stadium in, in Tokyo... Um... <laughs> You, it's it's empty stadium. You don't really hear anything. And when I went back and watched it, I was like, man, I wish I was watching it at home. It was so fun, like, yeah. hearing Bruce, you know, he just made it. He made the Olympics. Like, it was That's it was what he cool. does. He and was,
1: Tamsin, I think, with him and Ta- as well. And Tamsin,
2: amazing. Like, and then you have Bruce recalling Every single year. I was like, how is he recalling all these dates? I run this event and I have no idea what record <laughs> and what history I've made, but Bruce is just recalling everything. He's and then a man, and then Tams and like just perfectly nailing how the race is gonna go. Like uh, in my heat, she's like, I like the looks of, of Pete's Heat. He's got Jewett, who likes a fast pace and that's exactly what happens. Like that's what he's gonna do. And in my semifinal, she's like Marco Rob? he likes the fast pace. Um when I get on top of him, she's like, he doesn't need to do that yet. And like it's not like I was listening to it as like as an eight hundred runner. And she's she's a super eight hundred runner. You know what you need to do and stuff like that. It looks like she was almost talking to me on headphones, yeah. um, but he wasn't. It was just like we're both eight hundred runners and we know how to race tactically. People, so they made, they made the games. They they bought the hype. Like I think when Bruce said he can win this, I think that's where the million, uh, <laughs> he just blew. It, 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 I, I wrote it down. <laughs> how,
1: how many people watched the Olympic final? It was extraordinary. Uh, 2.46 million people watched it live and how many people have seen it um, since. Broke the Australian record a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and you had to do the interview with Richo post-December. You still had to have a mask on and like you're sucking in the breaths, but you were just so, you had a mask on, but you could see your smile from the other side of the world.
2: Yeah. And that's the joy I was I was talking about. Yeah, like, you get, like I was having fun.
1: You look like you're having fun. I was
2: having a lot of fun. You didn't
1: look like you had the weight of the world or pressure or expectation
2: on you. Oh yeah, and part of that because you understand like you're in this sport. Like of course there's gonna be pressure. There's gonna be nerves. It's not like you, the key is not to like like diminish and make sure like those things don't exist. Or because they do exist, it's like it's like to embrace them and find ways to go about them. And and it's like only pressure I, the only pressure I really feel is the pressure the soft pressure that you put in yourself like I think the weight of the world the weight of the support um, just use it as that as support like um, and the nerves how do you deal with nerves? Um, man I'm just there like breathe breathing technique focusing on your breath um, just doing everything you do at training and my and my I guess my mentor for, for the Olympics was um, as simple as it sounds, like um, it's still two laps of the track. I've run I've run 800 in Perth. I've run it in yeah. Sydney. I've run it everywhere. Yeah. It's like, it's so the thing was, is like um, same distance, which is 800, um, just different track in a different city. Like you're still running the same distance. It's
1: an and amazing simplistic approach. But when you say it like that, it's
2: 400 metres is 400, 800 is 800. I'm, I'm not required to do anything that I haven't done in the last yeah. 11 years. You're not. Uh, I've just got different appointments on on the line. I've got, in fact, there wasn't even crowds. Um, the, the environment, of course, changes. Yeah. But the distance remains the same, So, and that's the key.
1: The distance does remain the same. So tell me about the day itself. Um, it, it's a it's a night final. The first Australian man, um, what have I got here? Your fourth was the highest place by an Australian male in an individual track event since Darren Clark, the fourth in the 400 in Thirty-three years before you were born, um, it was how many years since an Australian had been in the, the eight hundred meter final? So, like, what's your day before you start running?
2: I was just focusing on like punching as much recovery as possible, getting as much food in as possible. I'm um, seeing the physio and getting treatments. Um, I hate 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 cold water, but I was jumping on that ice bath. <laughs> um It's <laughs> not good. I'm like shivering and it's like this is miserable. Like <laughs> but but it's but it's necessary, you know? I need to be I need to be at my game, so I was I was focusing on that and um and I knew there was so much going on in social media, so I was trying not to get too consumed by it. But um, you were aware of it? You didn't, I was you didn't stop yourself from looking at it? No, I didn't stop myself oh. from looking at it. I was like, you know, there's a few things my family was like They're killing me. Like I was watching a few things and reading a few things. I think something my brother was saying is like, when did you know Pete was serious? It's like when he started bringing something called Wheat Bix. I'm not sure he's trying to get as a wee big sponsor. Or is he trying <laughs> he's to trying to embarrass you. All the side deals. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, and it was entertaining because you're like, what else can you do? Uh, yeah. You don't want to just be stuck in your room thinking about a race. So you gotta you gotta keep things as normal as as possible. As as I said, it's still it's still the same race you're gonna be racing. So I just tried to remain as normal on the day. You eat the same um, when I wake up. I have breakfast. I don't know what I had for breakfast, probably Wheat bix actually, because <laughs> the Australian team did bring it up. If you um, didn't have a sponsorship with Wheat bix <laughs> now, I reckon you will by the end of this podcast, please, which is good.
1: <laughs> how, how much race, how much, with your coach and your team, how much race planning goes into each individual race? Or is it just all about the way you're going to run it? Or do, is there analysis that comes your way and is presented to you about the seven other blokes in the race and how they like to run?
2: Every athlete is different how they choose to take information and whatnot. Sometimes, if you take it too close, you might feel a little bit of pressure and whatnot. How do you um, roll with the information? The way we roll with it, we try to keep it consistent the whole year. Like it's there's no need for us to be at the Olympic Games and then Justin just out of nowhere comes with all this information. Like if you haven't done it leading up in different races, like do it at a race in Perth. I mean, of course yep. the Olympics is huge, but do it at a race in Perth. Do it at a race in in Melbourne. Don't just come up the Olympics and chuck all this new information. It that show, to me that shows like. He's nervous. We're nervous. Um, We don't need to do anything different. So you don't generally do a great deal of that? No, we don't generally do a great thing. Like, I think Justin's only words are like, do what you know, what you need to do.
1: Back to Pete in a moment. We have been privileged to feature many, many Olympians on this podcast. Get your pen out because I'm going to run through plenty of them for you. Mark a few of these down. Get your earballs around them. Are you ready? Here we go. David Morris, episode 24. Kathy Freeman... Episode 25, Cadell Evans, Episode 26, Good Start, Pay. Hey? John Bertrand, episode 35, Luke Longley, episode 39. Lydia Lasilla, episode 41, Anna Mears, 49. Andrew Bogart, 52. Liesel Jones, the champ, on episode 60, Ian Thorpe, 64. Sally Pearson, 69. Kate and Bronte Campbell. Episode 71 How privileged am I to get to speak to all these superstars Joe Ingalls 74 Andrew Gaze 75 John Aloisi 86 Kurt Fernley, 88 Sally Fitzgibbons 89 Paddy Mills 95 Lauren Jackson 99 Scotty James 104 Mark Leishman F110 Jeff Bennick, Episode 122 Daniel Kowalski Episode 125 Dylan Olcott Episode 127 Sean White Sean White I tell you Episode 131 Atto Bolden 132, Jess Fox, 136, Steph Rice, 138, Curtis McGrath, 139, Yana Pittman, 146. But wait, there's more. Mark Bosnich 150. Tanasi Kokonakis 153. Lisa Curry, 154. Erin Phillips, 157. Shaquille O'Neal, 162. Jess Stenson, 164. Whew, thank you to all those wonderful guests. And There is also Grant Hackett on episode 82, a man that hated to lose. Your Olympic record, mate, it's phenomenal. Three golds, three silvers, and a bronze. The three silvers and the bronze, are you proud of those or were they missed opportunities?
4: They're failures. Are they? Mm. Every silver medal in my cupboards a failure. Wow. So I think... Uh, that's a bit of a downer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to put the conversation well, you, like that. Your
1: face just dropped when I mentioned it. I didn't. Expect uh, yeah. You well, that. yeah. Well,
4: it's funny. I um, I look back on my career. I think over twelve years, I lost the fifteen hundred twice in that whole entire time at every major meet, and that's what I think about in my career. It's it's just difficult not to as a performer and a person who has high expectations of themselves. So. One silver is uh, 2008, which was a 1500 meter freestyle, which I lost, which I would have been the first to win the three in a row in the same Malouli, event. The Tunisian. The Tunisian. I oh, know a, uh, yeah, 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 a little yeah. bit about. Yeah, he bit. So Maluli got me there, and I, you know, my heat time would have won that race. So I totally stuffed that up. That was completely my fault. The 400 meter freestyle, I left my run too too late in 04 against Thorpe and I was closing the gap on him and he beat me by around 0.1 0.2 of a second and then the 4x2 freestyle relay in Athens we lost that by 0.1 um, and we just didn't get that right and I felt like my split could have been a lot better too so I felt like that's the only race I've actually cried after was that one so what happened um, we lost and I felt like I didn't contribute to the degree. I mean, I did the second fastest split behind Ian and I let off and I was up against Phelps and he kind of just got me. But
1: where were you when you allowed yourself to cry?
4: Uh, massage area. So I just I couldn't contain it. It was funny, I, it was it's the only time, good or bad, in my entire career, where I've actually been in tears. I just put my, my head down in my towel. And someone put my, their hand on my back and I was just like, then, you know, you start sort of sobbing. It's funny because you would think that would be an individual event would mean mm-hmm. more to you, but that four by two meant the absolute world to me. So, yeah, so that was a that was a really tough silver medal. So to be honest, when you, I think, you know, I've raced 63 or four times or something it is in international races at Com Games, Olympics, Packs, or World Championships. And I think close to 40 of them are gold medals, but I don't even think about those. I think about the, the silvers, because what, what should I have done differently? How can I recreate history? How can I do that better? That's, that's where I focus my energy, and I, I actually can't help it. So, yeah,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. That is Grant Hackett on episode 82 of the show. Let's get back to Pete. So now, if you can, in as much time as you would like, break down running an 800 metre, but in relation to the Olympic final. So y- you're on the start line, break it down for me.
2: You know, the best race, I'll say this before I get into it, but the best yep. race I've ever had in the 800 is the races that you didn't have to think much. And okay. because you did not have to think because you just go, like you just go. And those are the heats and semis, like you just went. Um, in fact, uh, if you're thinking of making a move, it's probably too late. By the time you think it and activate it and want to do it, Someone's already done it and someone might have cut you off. So the best race is when you're just not thinking. It's like muscle memory. And the only difference with the final is because you have a start list. And you had the start list, like I said, Thames and before, like the heats we had Druid. like he's a front runner. Switch off. I know that's the only way he's going to race. So it's going to be a fast race. I'm going to position myself well. Um, semi-final, the same. We had Marco. I know that's the best way he races. So he's going to do that. And the problem was comes to the final where there was no front runner. And now you have to think. It's like who's gonna take the who's gonna take the lead? We don't okay. want to take the lead, but we don't gonna stuck back. You're, you're an Olympic final, the best eight in the world, you know, trying to give people a head start.
0: This is the eight hundred meter final. Who is going to make the first move? Toile of France coming through on the inside, cutting across Ball, the Australian. So many people will be watching him back home. Nigel Amos on his shoulder.
2: The 800 is one, basically, from the top three people. That's where the winner usually comes from. It's it's like rarely someone comes from way back because then they have to do so much running and go around people. Um, So that in itself was like, as soon as we saw that, I think it was myself, Justin and, and James, my agent. And we're like, oh man, here we go. Like, this is going to be a slow race. So the heat and the semis were Australian records. They were fast. But the final was one in a slow race. It was like one in 145. So what, this is a really ignorant question.
1: What stops you asking, you know, what stops you being the front runner? What stops you just going out and thinking, right, I'm going to do everything I can to run 144 because I think that'll hold me in good stead. Or is that, it just doesn't work like that.
2: I mean, it can, but... I, I, I wasn't doing that this during the season I think if I was doing that during the season and but but that's, that wasn't your race plan it wasn't my race plan it wasn't my race plan the whole season um, it would have been something completely different say if I was doing it and practicing it at home here and during Europe but I didn't front run once in that whole season I was just kind of positioning myself top three top three top three and that's where I raced best so of course I didn't yeah, want to go I lead gotcha. it so uh-huh.
1: when you when you're in the pack and 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 the stagger finishes, how much physical contact is there typically between you and the other competitors?
2: There's so much.
1: Bumping and barging. Clayton
0: Murphy having to put his arm out, and it's tactical. He got rotage the second time he got.
2: So if you break it down, the first the first two hundred is always super important. eight hundred because you're getting a good position. Um, Where's and, the best position? P- top three, I think. Top three. Top three. Yeah. Okay. Oh, actually, like, not one. But for me, would be number two, number three, and there's physical contact. Trying to achieve that, I don't mind a bit of physical contact. I think it's, I think it's fine. It's, it's, it's part of the game and whatnot. Uh, but if you're going to do it, you, you exhaust a lot of energy at the same time. Okay. So don't put too much energy into it. But, but once you're, once you're on that level, you get a lot of respect. Like back then, no one respected you because they didn't know who you were. Like you come in, someone pushes you. But now, like I come in, two hundred. People just move aside and let you slide right in because they know you're a strong finisher. They know if they can sit behind you, they'll be all right. Okay. But if you're not, there's no respect. They're like You're going to slow them down, so they try to push you out of the way.
1: So, that's, so the first 200, you're trying to achieve that position. What happens between 200 and 400?
2: 200 and 400, you're just trying to stay relaxed. You're just trying to stay relaxed.
0: They are almost running five abreast. The fireworks are about to fly.
2: And you're trying to get boxed in. So by boxing, in, I mean, because I think the most important is from four to five.
0: They take the bell in the final of the men's 800 metres. Peter Ball, whose family moved from Sudan to Australia for a better life, for a new life. And he strikes out now, aiming for gold.
2: When you're coming off the bend and if, yep. if, you're, if you're on the inside and it's a slow race, everyone's coming on the outside, you get stuck on the rail. Um, usually people open it up because they go out wide, but you don't want to be stuck there. So you see me sometimes running a little bit wide on lane one because and look around a lot. It's not out of arrogance. I don't want anyone to cut me off. Like if someone's trying to move, <laughs> I'm just trying to get a step ahead. And, and how are you
1: feeling in that particular race at the 400-meter mark of the Olympic final? How are you feeling at that point about it's, where the race is and how you're tracking?
2: I was feeling that's probably when I start taking the lead. Yes, yeah. yeah, I was feeling I was feeling pretty good, but then I was like, Oh fuck, it's like we still got four hundred to go. Right.
0: But he's got some fabulous runners tracking his every move. Emmanuel Career, the four hundred meter specialist behind him, Patrick Dobek in third. Watch for Amos, although he's just beginning to go backwards now.
2: Like the guy that wanted in perspective, he's he runs Forty four seconds in the four hundred. I run max probably at forty six. No yep. one in that final can run forty four seconds other than him. Um, so when it's fifty five seconds, you're like, "There's for your there's, first lap." Yeah, it's slow. There's no brainer. So it's fl- playing into his hands. It's playing
1: into his hands for sure. Uh, and uh, okay, so at what point of a typical eight hundred? Then, Pete. Sorry about all the questions. I told you I was going to pest you with questions. Yeah, well. right. <laughs> at what stage do you, are you start? to start to feel cooked and is it, is it, um, your legs and the muscles or is it aerobically you're sucking them in? Like wh- when does the pain start in a 800?
2: I think your mind, to be honest, I think when one goes past you, then you, you do one of those looking around, then that's when you start to feel it. And what and, do you feel? And you just like, it's a whole body language. You're like, you're not running as confident anymore. And then things start to hurt your legs start to hurt uh because like like i ran 144 twice in two days and like you're smiling and it's like it's not hurting or anything like that but but sometimes you know those slow races do hurt because your mind is not in it and then you start feeling pain but also that was a fast fast second lap yep so that's another thing i think oh if, the, the last
1: 200 meters it's
2: it's incredible the people need to go back and I watch, watch it. that was an incredibly fast oh. It was probably the fastest race I've ever done, second lap. like okay. It was still one of my best races. It was probably better than the first two in a tactical race because you still run 145 off like 55 seconds, Yeah, which is insane. I've never done that before.
3: Bowl holding for the moment. The pressure's about to come on. Who strikes first?
1: And then so at the 700-meter mark, you, you you're at the top of the straight. Is it just like how do you stay relaxed or is it just Balls to the wall and everything you've got at that point.
2: Just, just try to keep your technique because you're eventually going to be slowing down. Just don't put your head back, which is what I tend to do. When you put your head back, you're going, you're not going any more forward. That's like the direction you're going is back. So you just try to look at the line and just, just run. Even if people pass you, just keep. It's so hard. It's easy to say though, but just, just keep your own race. Just keep running
3: at him now. Peter's got to hold his ground here. Amos is coming with a run. 150 to go. career's taken the lead. Ball not done with yet.
1: And how is it when someone goes past you? It doesn't feel great. No, so no, no. That's a bloody stupid question <laughs> yeah. <be> Pete. <laughs> it just... A lot of training gone into this and I'm asking
2: you what, what it's like. But <laughs> it does not feel great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> coming,
3: They're starting to sweep home at the back now. Career in front. it's very, very late. Can you go one and two? Three Australia four. He gave himself every
1: shot. Uh, so you hit the line, and you, you're you're a you're a kid that in 2011 didn't know that you had to come in from the stagger, and you are the fourth best in the world. And you said that medals and times doesn't mean much to you. Do you have a full appreciation of what you've done?
2: I think that yeah, they don't mean much to you. I think if you win them, at that moment, it was like, I wanted, I wanted to be in the podium, not so much for the medal because I believed I was honestly top three in the world. So I just wanted to prove that, like the medal, of course you get it if you're in the podium, but it's yep. irrelevant. I just wanted to be, to be in that podium. I wanted to be top three. Um, if, if not first, second, if not second, third, you know, not fourth, like fourth, Fourth is a painful place to be because, because you're just outside the podium, but but how lucky are we to be to have so much support in Australia that like it's one of the most memorable fourths. You get so much support from coming fourth. I'm like, well, I don't remember. I just remember how much support I got coming fourth. I'm like, wow, like coming fourth, and then the ch- the challenge was like you're disappointed, but you still got so many people that supported you, embraced you, so you gotta kinda, you got to kind of get up, um, embrace the support and, and like deal with disappointment on your own and with your coach. And, and I had that time to do that. But, yeah, it was like still a disappointing result.
1: You went on to the World Champs and the Commonwealth Games where you won that spectacular silver medal that you said you, you nearly lost along the way.
3: <laughs> Peter's got to find something in the stretch. Find it he might. Kim and Yow leads. Bowl's rallying. He's a metre and a half behind. He's a metre behind. He's closing, closing, closing. Kim and Yon in front. Bowles won't quite do it. And Kim and Yon...
1: Due to the fact that that Olympics was one year later, it's three years from there to the next Olympics, Paris. How do you keep rolling? How do you keep... Or do you just love running that much that it's just get out there and get it done?
2: I think I love so much that comes with it. The journey itself and the countries that I got to visit and the friends that you made. That's how you kind of keep going, really. And of course now it's like, like all this support and you know how important eight hundred is to the country. It's awesome, the like love, the love, the love for you. We yeah. started this by two blokes downstairs saying, "P <laughs> legend." Yeah, like that's everywhere. That's like you know, and that's and that's powerful. Like, like how much how much impact can you make in the lead to Paris? Like, so like, much. Like the question is, can you get the gold in Paris? I think that's uh that's a big question to try to answer, and the only way you answer that is by being in Paris, and, and I think there would be so much support towards those, his games. And there'll be
1: someone in 2032 in Brisbane that's running, and they'll say, why'd you get into running? And they'll say, because I saw Peter Bowl run. That would be cool. Oh, that'll happen. It is cool, though, isn't it? Give yeah. me goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool. So for all those kids out there that are listening, Pete, we always finish his podcast the same way. You've achieved tremendous success in your athletic career, and I'm sure you've got many successes ahead of you in life away from the athletics track. But for all those kids that are listening that want to achieve success in their chosen field, what advice would you give them? And before you answer it, I'm 165 episodes into this podcast, and I think the messages you've sent to kids in this episode, are the best I've ever heard. So no pressure getting this answer right. <laughs> no, I really do. I really, I really mean that.
2: Yeah. No, I really appreciate that.
1: So what are you going to say to the kids now that want to achieve success in whatever they want to do, whether it's running or footy or cricket or science or piano or guitar or maths? Uh,
2: it's, it's probably same advice that I took myself growing up because when you're a kid, you got a lot of friends from from school, and especially when you're coming out of school and stuff like that. And our down advice is it's it's okay for your friends to go out and do their things, you don't have to feel pressured because you want to be with them and you want to stay friends to do what they want to do. Um, you honestly have to find something that you love doing and do it and you can still keep those friendships, I think, because cause everyone wants to keep the friendships and, you know, be in this group and that group. But if it's not something you enjoy doing, like, just do what you want to do. And believe it or not, you know, you make new friends, you make new people. But number one, it's like, If you're not enjoying it, it's not fun. And if it's not fun, um, even if you're at the top, it's not that great to be up there. So you'd rather get to the top doing something you absolutely love doing. And the only way you do that is by taking time to actually just find out what you love doing. Like, write down maybe three things you value and three things you love and then base every decision around it because you can only, and I really do believe that, you can only help people... If you help yourself first and better yourself, and and by doing that, you you can't go wrong. Pete, this has
1: been an outstanding episode. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for sharing your journey, mate. Go on, many many more years. Um, I've loved it. I've loved it. Thanks so much for joining me on the Howie. Game. Appreciate it, Howie.
2: No, awesome, awesome setup too. Love it. Yeah. Thank you.
1: I really really enjoyed chatting to Pete. Hope you loved the episode as much as I did and took plenty from it. Thanks to Pete and Max Muddle from the Fordham Company for making this episode possible. Thank you to all you wonderful fantastic people for tuning in. Thanks to Tommy, to Darth and MJ for being the gurus that they are. Until next Thursday with Mitchell Stark. Peace and love.
3: And we can do it if we try, try, try.